The scripture reading this morning is Luke 8, verses 1 to 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve disciples were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This ends the reading of the word of the God of God. Centered around the movie, 9 to 5, in which three women working for an evil boss was just trying to make it in the workplace. They wanted respect and recognition for the hard work they'd done, and the boss, he did not want to give it to them at all. He totally disrespected who they were as women. So they decided they was going to try to alleviate the boss away. I do not advise anybody if you're struggling with your boss. They're figuring out how can we get rid of this guy so we can do the job we want to do and be respected and paid for what we're doing. It seems as if to me, women have a hard time in any sphere of life being respected and honored for who they are, no matter what they get into. But it also seems to me the world don't work without a woman, especially in the church. Women work hard in the church. And if you're a man and you're in leadership and you do something in the church, and let's say your wife isn't in leadership and she knows something needs to be done and you may not feel like doing it that day, you might get a nudge in the arm saying, hey, you need to go take care of the business you need to take care of. You're a leader in the church. You cannot survive in the church without the work of a woman. And Luke seems to say in his gospel that women had an important role to play in the ministry. And he has a focus on women that some of the other gospels don't. And I'd like just to read a few things that he says in reference to women. In Luke chapter 1, he speaks about Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and about Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, he emphasizes Anna, the prophetess, who is praying and seeking God for the Messiah to come. Luke chapter 7, he speaks of the sinful woman when all the guys are sitting around talking to Jesus. This sinful woman comes in and she lays at his feet. She cries and she washes his feet with her hairs and her tears. In Luke chapter 10, he mentions Martha and Mary. Mary. In Luke 13, he talks about the healing of the crippled woman. Luke chapter 15, he speaks about the parable of the woman with the lost coin. Luke chapter 18, the parable of the woman and the judge. Luke in the New Testament declare that women have equal access to the blessings of God through grace and salvation. Whatever distinctions are made in the Bible between the role of a man and a woman, there is no distinction in one thing and that both are co-heirs in Christ because of what he done on the cross. There is no man, there is no woman, there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile. We are all one in Jesus Christ. The Bible makes no distinction about that. But in our sermon text, Luke names three women specifically in what they were doing for the glory of God. And he names them by name. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, 
and Susanna, which nothing is known about her outside the biblical context other than that her name is mentioned. And this is where I want to get into the mission work. Because these three women formed the first women's missionary society. They were the work that got things done for the Lord Jesus. The Women's Missionary Society. And this morning I would like to highlight three characteristics of these women I see in this passage. Number one, these women were dedicated. They followed Jesus while he was on his missionary journey. You'll notice they didn't get out in the front. Jesus called the 12 disciples. He says, come, pick up your cross and follow me. And they go with him to do the work. But the women kind of stayed back. And they kind of listened to the word and said, we are your disciples too. We are going to follow you. Secondly, they gave her their finances to accomplish the task at hand. They worked for a living. They had jobs. They did things. And they took the money that they earned. And they said, here we give it to the king of glory to do what you want to do because we believe in what you're doing. In this they stayed within their boundaries. They didn't just go out in the big front and says, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, the Bible says they waited behind and they followed Jesus wherever they went. They didn't push themselves on everybody. They didn't push themselves on their culture or their society. They just said, no, we will be humble enough to follow and serve you. We'll stay within the boundaries that these men have created for us, but we're going to work and do the work of God because he's called us to do such things. Secondly, they were together in their cause. Now you'll notice the Bible says they had three different backgrounds. Mary Magdalene, they named her. Then they said to the other ladies, they named them ladies as well. The worker, the wife of Shusa, who worked for the king. Three different backgrounds. Three different areas of life. But they put away their backgrounds. They set it aside and said, we're going to work for the king. So they worked together, though they was in different spheres of life. They said, where I'm at doesn't matter. All that matters is the king has called me, the king loves me, and the king wants to use me. So even in their different backgrounds, they found a way to work together. They managed to set aside their differences for the work of the master. You weren't getting the men to do that. Them jokers argued and fought all the way down the road. Jesus, you want us to wax these people? Jesus, why didn't you use that money for something good? Why ain't you doing this? Why ain't you doing that? Where are you going? What are you doing? But these women, they just stayed together. And they said, Master, wherever you go, we will follow. We love you and we want to serve you. The only time in the New Testament that we see uh, women arguing is Martha and Mary. And you know what they were fighting about? One was doing the dishes and one was listening to Jesus preach. And the one doing the dishes got mad at the other and said, Hey, king of glory, I'm doing all the work here while she's over there listening to you. I don't think I would have told Jesus that, but anyway, that's what she said. And Jesus says, She's chosen me first to learn from me and grow from me. I'm not saying what you're not doing is not important, but he chose me. She wants to follow me and serve me and learn from me and grow from me. And then these other things will come around. That's the only time you see women bickering in the New Testament. And together, 
they gave of their finances. They didn't argue about it. They didn't fight about it. They just came together and said, we're going to give to the Lord Jesus Christ and for his glory. So they were together in their cause for the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, they were consistent. Those three women were at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, at the middle of his ministry journey to Jerusalem. And Luke, right in the middle of Luke, Jesus tells his disciples, I must have need to go to Jerusalem. And they didn't understand the word he was saying. What he's saying was, I got to go to the cross. There is my destiny, and there is what God is calling me to do. A lot of people left him, but those women, they stayed right there with him. They said, we love you, we're going to serve you, and we're going to follow you. During his crucifixion, they were right there. They were down there watching their king get crucified. They stayed right there with him through the whole process. When they laid him in the tomb, the women followed because they wanted to know where the master was going. Where is our master going? What are you doing to our king? They wanted to anoint his body after death. He had just died. And they said, we want to take care of our Lord and our master. We want to make sure we wipe the blood off of his arms, off of his head. And everything he's been so mangled up, we want to know where he's at so we can take care of him. Everyone else fled the scene. All the big mouth guys fled the scene. We're gone. He's dead. We're gone. We're going to run because they're coming after us next. Many disciples left the Lord Jesus, but those women stayed faithful to the cause. We are going to stay true to you. These women stayed true to the end. When everybody else left, those three women were consistent. You see it over and over in all the Gospels. When it comes time to him being crucified, you will see those names in there. The women were consistent. This consistent dedication to the cause of Christ led to the expansion of his ministry and the kingdom of God. In chapter 8, verse 3, the Bible says, And many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Why such dedication from those seemingly disrespected by their culture? We all know about culture and how women are treated in culture and all that stuff that they were set aside and they weren't respected in all the things that said about them. But they stayed true to him no matter what. Why would you be so dedicated and be willing to stay in the background? Verse 2 says it. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. He said what happened to them and then he named them by name But what happened in their lives. They had been healed, they had been touched, they had been ministered to. Jesus came to them and said, I want to touch you. And he did. And he changed them forever. The Lord Jesus Christ changed their lives forever. He done it. Long before he went to the cross and died in their place. Salvation, the blood hadn't been shed and hadn't been atoned for it at that point. But he still done it. He still ministered them way before he went to the cross. Way before he died in their place. He done it long before giving them a new mind and a new heart. They hadn't been regenerated. They hadn't been touched in their hearts and in their minds. All they know is that he came and he made a difference in them. And they hadn't been saved as you and I know salvation. But they had been touched by the king of glory. Long before they got a new mind and a new heart to follow him. 
He done it long before singing to them his Holy Spirit and filling them and touching them. Mary, Joanna, Susanna, being sensitive to the work of God in their lives, expressed it through their generosity. He has done something to us. And we're going to live thankful for what he's done. We're going to stay within our framework. We're going to let God open the doors that he wants to open. But we're going to be right there every step of the way, God, because you have touched us. This morning, we have three women living out the goodness of God in their lives and in their own way, filling the Great Commission. After all, this is what it's all about, being a missionary-minded church for a missionary-minded God. And what they do in their own ways, they teach, they lead, and they guide. Pam, who's our worship leader this morning, also in charge of Women's Fellowship, when the women meet together, they talk about the business of the church. Who do they want to minister to? Who do they want to reach out to? And then these three women right here, they get together and they say, we're going to lead the worship service. They take us to the very throne of God every Sunday morning. Let one of these women not do what God has placed on their heart to do. And aren't we all out of whack? You think I wasn't scurrying around last Sunday? I was a nervous wreck. But they do what God has put on their heart to do, and they do it out of love. And in that sense, they're living out the Great Commission. We have other women in our congregation behind the scenes. They're doing the same thing. They're doing the work of God. They're praying. They're seeking God. They're visiting. They're doing things for the glory of God. I don't see too many men teaching children's church. I know I ain't volunteering. You have to be specially called to that. You definitely don't want me leading worship. Can't play a piano for nothing. I'm very expressive when I preach. But other than that, I'm pretty much worthless. But I stay within my lane. I stay with what I believe God's called me to do. These women are completing the mission of God in women's fellowship as our worship leader, as piano player. All of this stuff means something to us, and it fulfills the Great Commission. Everything we do is missionary-minded work for the glory of God. This is the way we're going to grow in our faith and the way we're going to reach out. All of this happens because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I hope he has changed our lives forever. I hope he has saved our souls. He's touched us. He's moved us. He lives through us. He walks through us. And we want to glorify him in everything we say and do. These women done it. They didn't care what nobody else thought. They didn't care what nobody else done. They didn't care what nobody else went. They were going to be an example of what Christ had done in their lives. And they did it way in the background. Just saying, we love you and we want to serve you. And here is our substance to give to you. Today, we remember his great sacrifice for us at the communion table. We remember what God has done in our lives, how he's changed us, how he's ministered to us. And as we come to the holy table this morning, we need to examine our own lives and say, do I walk in the same gratitude? Am I grateful for what God has done for me? Am I thankful that he died and that he rose again? And do I love him enough to serve him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? 
How do I compare it to these three women? Because of what they've done, the church grew and it blew out and it expanded. Because they loved him, they served him, and they followed him and they made no big deal about it. They just wanted to do what was right in his eyes because of what he had done for them. The same way the kingdom extends in our lives. When we come to him and say, do a work in me. So on this communion Sunday, when you come to receive your communion, or you stay at your chair and receive your communion, ask yourselves, Lord, do I love in the same way? Do I love with the same fervency? Am I dedicated to you? Is my whole life given to you? After all, you died for me. Your body was broken for me. Your blood was shed for me. You've done it all for me. How could I not walk such a grateful life into what you've done for me? That's my prayer for us this morning. That we examine our own lives and say, do I love you? Am I grateful for what you've done on my behalf? Let us pray this morning. Father, I want to thank you for these three women that Luke mentions. They were very missionary-minded for the work of God. And you blessed them. And by their example, many people came to faith and many people followed you. And the church and the kingdom grew. And it was all because you touched their lives and changed their lives. And then you went to the old rugged cross and you died and you rose again. And this morning as we get ready to come to communion... Let us in our own individual lives reflect. Are we thankful? Are we grateful for what you've done in our lives? And do we live lives that are pleasing to you, that honor you, and that lift you up where you're glorified? So I ask this morning on this communion Sunday, Lord, that we examine our own lives to see how grateful we really are for, to the King of glory. I ask you now, Lord, to speak to our hearts in this communion time in Jesus' name. Amen. As the deacons come, I would like to read a scripture. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 24.